This one for me was a big one to learn. It, social media can be fun. So I didn't have any social media presence at all for the first nearly year of my business, which sounds very funny to say um, because social media is a huge big part of a lot of people's businesses, but I don't think I'm very good at social media. And so I just shied away from it for the best part of a year and I resisted it and I resisted it. And I was like, what am I going to post on there? Like who's going to give a crap about like Google ads stuff on Instagram. But I realized it's, it's just a chance to connect and meet with other people and really getting wrapping my head around the fact that it's not just constant promotion. It's actually just getting to know people. and welcome to Smart Online Marketing, where I chat to switched on entrepreneurs and experts to chat about smart strategies to build your business in a profitable and sustainable way. My name is Katie Griffin and I am in the digital marketing game. I specialize in Google ads and I've worked one-on-one with clients such as Showpose, Homework Allure and Snuggle Honey Kids. And I also have my own course teaching small businesses how to grow profitably using Google ads. If we haven't met before, I'm a kombucha-loving Real Housewives apologist alongside my love of all things pop culture. And yes, that does include the Kardashians. I'm a mum of two, a self-confessed hippie at heart with a love of all things business. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Smart Online Marketing. So this is my final episode of 2020, and I thought I would do a solo episode about the lessons that I've learned in 2020. So I've jotted down a couple of notes on my Google Doc, but I'll probably be shooting from the hip most of the time as I just like to go with the flow. And before I do get into those lessons that I've learned, I wanted to say I hope that you have a good Christmas and New Year or whatever celebration you decide to celebrate or not celebrate and that the start of 2021 is restful and relaxing and with your family. And... I shared on my to my email list and also uh, to my uh, social media a couple of weeks ago that I am pregnant with my third baby. So next year is going to look a little different for me. I am going to be taking some time off and that will mean I'll probably park the podcast for a little bit and park my courses and all that sort of stuff. But if you follow me on social media at Griffin underscore or you are on my email list, you'll be updated on all that, all those important bits and pieces. So let me get started with the lessons that I've learned in 2020. Now I'm going to kind of, even though it's been all about the global pandemic and the ways that COVID has affected our lives this year, I'm going to kind of put that to one side and just focus on the lessons that I've learned in my business this year outside of the obvious impact that COVID's had on our lives as a whole and a lot of people's businesses and work. So I'm going to not talk as much about the COVID, we'll not talk about the COVID stuff as much and more focus on the lessons that I've learned this year inside my own business. And the first lesson was an important one for me, um, that it's okay to take time away from the kids for my business. So I have two kids and at the time that I'm recording this, they are five and two. And I have been really reluctant to take any time away from them. And when I mean time away, I mean like going away to conferences or, you know, anything that would take me away from them for more than an like overnight, as in I hadn't been away overnight from my youngest until the start of this year. So she was about 18 months and pre all the COVID stuff, 
I had booked a trip to the US to go and have a mastermind retreat with my mastermind group that wrapped up in March 2020. So I was in that group from October of 2019, which was when I kind of started to get serious about launching my Google Ads course and wanted to get some help in that regard with other course creators. And so I flew over to uh, San Diego and had a couple, uh, I think it was a two day retreat with the other people in that mastermind. Now, this was uh, the first time, like I said, that I'd been away from my youngest daughter. I'd been away from my oldest, maybe one or two nights. I think two nights was the most. So I was away for, I think it was, it ended up being seven nights, including travel, which was a big deal for me. Um, and I had a lot of guilt around that and felt like I was putting my business above my kids, but it actually ended up being a really good thing, both for me and for my children in that they got to spend some really quality time with their dad, who they spend a lot of time with anyway, but I'm usually in the picture and- as other parents know that when mum's around a lot of the time that, you know, you become the lead parent. And, um, and so it was nice for him to have, to step into that role for a week. So it was a lesson that I learned that it was, it's okay to, to invest time-wise in your business or just in yourself. If you're going away, if you need a night away for whatever reason that it doesn't make you, doesn't make you any less of a parent. And I put, ridiculously stupid expectations on myself as both a parent and a business owner. And I need to at sometimes loosen those expectations. So the downside of that was that I flew on the 9th of March when coronavirus was a thing, but it wasn't, you know, there was no international travel restrictions. There was no warnings about going overseas. It was pretty much business as usual. And I flew back on the 16th when essentially all of the US, all the schools were closing and it it escalated really rapidly in that week. If I if the trip had been planned a week later, it wouldn't have gone ahead. If the trip had been planned a week earlier, it wouldn't have been an issue at all. It just so happened that I was overseas at a time of of uh, a lot of um, emotional and a lot of unknown, and it was it was quite scary being away from my family when COVID was really starting to become something that people were concerned about and it was having implications on travel. And I, I tried to change my flight to get home earlier and I couldn't. So that was that putting that bit to the side, which was quite, quite scary. And I, I felt really alone and isolated being across the other side of the country for my family. Uh, it still was a really good thing that I was able to take that time and spend that time working on my business and meeting other people that were in similar businesses that I was. So that was the first lesson. The second lesson is that I'm not going to make everyone happy. So recently, a couple of weeks ago, I sent an email. I shared that I was pregnant with my email list and also on my social media. And just with the heads up that next year will look a little bit differently and that these are the ways that I'll be offering work until I go off on some sort of maternity leave. And, um, you know, you get a lot of really happy, joyful replies of people responding positively to that news. And I got one email that was quite abusive um, about that I shouldn't bring my fertility into my business. And that was quite triggering for people that were going through fertility struggles. So I got this email and I was you know, it, it, if I had gotten this email six months ago, three months ago, even it, it would have really, it, I would have really struggled to deal with that because I internalize a lot of what other people say to me and it does become challenging to move past that. And I wanted to 
immediately sent an email to my entire list apologizing if I had triggered anyone that was going through any fertility issues or was struggling to get pregnant. And eventually, well, not eventually, quite quickly after I read the email and she also went on my social media and posted aggressive comments there and and she obviously was really hurt by whatever fertility struggle she was going through. I had to come to the place to realize that it wasn't something that I had done to her that had caused her to feel like that. It was that she was going through internal struggles and that for whatever reason, I was the one that had brought those feelings up in her that day. And to not, because automatically my brain goes to, you know, okay, well, I can't post on social media about being pregnant anymore, or I can't include that in any of my emails, or because what if I trigger someone that is going through a, a really hard time with fertility? And I just have to come, I just have to think about ways that I can address that in in maybe a more delicate way that doesn't bring up those sort of feelings for other people, but also realize that there's always going to be someone that takes what you say in a way that wasn't intended and you can do your best to try and minimize that, but there's not, you, you can't control how other people react to things and you just have to do your best to be a kind and thoughtful person. Uh, but there's always going to be people that don't take things the right way and don't take what you do in in the right way. So that was something, this is a big lesson for me because I am a big, big people pleaser. And I have worked a lot on that with a coach this year to try and get better at that, that I still want to move through the world with, like I said, kindness and be thoughtful. But I also have to realize at a certain point that I can't control the way that someone's going to interpret everything that I do. And the same goes for, I had a student in my course, I've run my course for about 18 months now, and I've had over 300 students go through that. And I've had only one student that's been unhappy. And I got, I was about midway through this year, I think it was. And initially when I received her email that she was unhappy and for a variety of reasons, I initially was like, oh, I got to shut down my whole course. I, can't, I don't know, I don't know if I want to do this anymore because I couldn't deal with a negative, with someone being negative about it. And again, there's only so much I can do. There's other external variables that will go on in everyone's life that they bring to the table as well. And I can't internalize that to be the be all and end all. And I have to still realize that I'm not going to be for everyone. And that's that can be really hard to swallow as I get more visible in my space that not everyone's going to like me and I'm someone that likes to be liked. So it's an ongoing thing, but I've come a long way in that space this year. The third lesson that I've learned is that hiring a team member has been a game changer. So I brought on a full-time team member in, well, it was actually just as the global pandemic kicked off, we had already signed the papers back in, I think it was March, early March, late Feb maybe. And she was due to start at the start of April. And I remember getting back from the US after I had um, not lost a couple of clients during that time, but I had reached out to a couple of clients and said, hey, things aren't doing too well on the ad side of things. Do you want to pause management for a couple of months until things stabilize a little bit? And so obviously that took a hit on the revenue side of things. And then I was bringing on a huge investment, which is a team member uh, and offering full-time employment to someone is a huge thing to do and and guaranteeing, you know, to some degree that you will have money there to pay that person every month. And so that was quite a big investment 
but it has paid off so much. It has allowed, she is fantastic. She helped me facilitate my course and she helps me with client management. So there's all other areas of the business that now I can delegate off to someone else and have someone else do execution and be alongside me. And not only that is that now that I am looking to take some time away next year with the new baby, that I have someone there that the business doesn't have to shut down as a whole. So, I mean, finding good talent is really hard. Well, not really hard, but it can be really hard to find the right person for you. And it can be quite a big thing to take someone on board your team as a full-timer rather than just as a contractor. And But for me, it was the right move and I am so glad that I did it. Okay, on to lesson number four. This one for me was a big one to learn. It's social media can be fun. So I didn't have any social media presence at all for the first nearly year of my business, which sounds very funny to say um, because social media is a huge big part of a lot of people's businesses, but I don't think I'm very good at social media. And so I just shied away from it for the best part of a year. And I don't think I actually set up my Instagram account until maybe April, 2020. And I resisted it and I resisted it. And I was like, what am I going to post on there? Like who's going to give a crap about (laughs) Google ads stuff on Instagram. But I realized it's, it's just a chance to connect and meet with other people and really getting wrapping my head around the fact that it's not just constant promotion. It's actually just getting to know people and just learning to like social media and learning to love the connections that I make on there. And I've made so many wonderful business acquaintances and friends now through social media that it's been a huge, big thing for me. So, you know, social media doesn't have to be really daunting and I fluctuate some months. I'll be really on the board with posting and I'll have a really solid posting schedule and other months I won't and I won't have worked that out. And it's something that I'm fine to fluctuate in and out of. I don't put a lot of pressure on myself when it comes to social media. If I feel like it, I do it. If I don't, I don't. And I think that when I see other uh, businesses get really hung up on that they have to have posts every day or twice a day or certain amount of times a week and it becomes more of a stressor, I think that it's fine to step away from social media and just be an observer for a while. And you don't need to make it that it's such a a big, like, you know, it doesn't have to be this huge, big, what am I trying to say? Like thing on your to-do list. If you don't feel like doing it, take a break. And if you don't have content that you feel like posting, that's fine. And, and to really just enjoy it and have fun with it. And, you know, that's been something that I've, I've really enjoyed this year. And it's been great for my business as well, because I've been able to utilize social media to share student, student wins and testimonials and people have shared my podcast on social media. And so I've, uh, I really liked getting inside Instagram in particular. I don't really go on any of the other platforms. I do a little bit of LinkedIn, but I still haven't cracked the LinkedIn. Like I still haven't I don't know, fallen in love with LinkedIn yet. I feel like it's very spammy and I get a lot of spam messages on there. So I'm not like too keen on that at the moment, but you know, you don't have to do social media at at once when you start your business, it could be helpful, but it also, like I built a six figure business without having any social media presence at all. So it can be fun. That was a huge, big lesson for me this year. The fifth lesson was that it's okay to set business and personal boundaries. And this sort of ties back into the number two that I'm not going to make everyone happy, but boundaries have always been a weak spot of mine because I'm a people pleaser. And as being the business owner, you will get a lot of people trying to push those boundaries, whether it's client scope creep, they're trying to, they want you to respond to emails. And I'm pretty, I work with beautiful clients. Like I have a really 
uh, solid set of clients that I don't have any clients that do this. But if you have a client-based business, you might have people that try and get you to do more than you should for their money or that they want, they have really strict timeframes or, you know, that you feel like that they're a a burden rather than being someone that you enjoy working with. So, I don't really have it on the client side of things, but it's more about on the course or the student side of things. I had to really learn that it's okay if I don't respond to emails over the weekend. It's not necessarily that other people were putting that pressure on me, it's that I was putting that pressure on myself. So, things that I've spoken about before that have really helped with that sort of stuff is is not having any notifications on my phone and, and being really uh, deliberate about what I let onto my phone uh, because I don't want to be dealing with work stuff when I'm not in a work frame of mind, essentially. And I guess going back into the Instagram side of things, is that something that ties in with that is that you'll get maybe students contacting you on your Instagram profile about wanting such, such and such or and being more deliberate that yep, just send us an email and we'll get that organized for you and that I've got certain channels that you have customer service inquiries through and so I'm not on 24-7. But that has been a really big lesson of mine this year is that it's okay to set boundaries. I had another example where a previous client of mine came back to me and sent me an email on Monday saying, hey, can we start up management for a month? And and I wrote back and said, you know, what sort of what sort of time frame are you looking at? And she was like, I want to get started today. And initially I, I'm like, okay, how can I make this work? You know, I've got a lot on and and I was in my first trimester at this time and it was really, I was <laughs> quite sick. And, but rather than just putting a boundary in place and saying, I'm actually full with client at client capacity at the moment, I tried to make it work and okay, how can I work on the weekend to get this done? And then I ended up just doing a 360 and saying, look, I'm really sorry. I, I just don't have capacity for this at this stage. So being more respectful of my own boundaries and my own capacity, I'm someone that will tend to overbook themselves given the chance. So just being more mindful about that and intentional with what sort of work I'm getting involved in and, you know, student boundaries with responding to emails and customer service inquiries and things like that in that I am running a business as well and I need to make sure that I'm enforcing kind but thoughtful boundaries and kind but firm boundaries And it can take practice to get in the habit of doing that. So I'm still a work in progress, definitely with boundary setting, but I feel like I'm definitely getting better at it. And so lesson number six is that having a network of like-minded business owners is huge at not feeling alone in the entrepreneurial journey. So this one, I've, I feel like I learned a lot in late 2019, but hugely important this year as well as I've invested in a lot of different group programs where they've been not necessarily teaching something, but it's more about just getting together a really solid group of people and having a place to post ideas. I was involved in a really great mastermind or member mind with Kirsty Fanton, who uh, called the Ideas Club. And that was something that I could post ideas and have amazing other business owners come back and and give me their perspective. And just having a safe place to post ideas and get people to give you their feedback and know that it comes from a place like a thoughtful place and a place with integrity rather than posting in some Facebook group and you never know what sort of caliber of answers you're going to get. But being able to lean on other people and have a network of people that you feel like are going along the same path as you. And I think that shortcuts your journey so much. I'm so passionate about investing in different groups and masterminds and things like that because it just gives you the opportunity to be surrounded by other people that are doing the same thing as you and take big shortcuts, like learn from their failings, learn from their wins, learn from what 
they're going to do next time and and have a community of people that you can lean on when when things go wrong, like things are going to go wrong in your business and it can be really isolating if you're at the top and you don't really want to put that burden on your employee or you don't want to, like I talk to my husband a lot about that sort of stuff, but there's only so much he cares about <laughs> until he's like, shut up and find someone else to talk to this about. So that community of of like-minded business owners is huge for me and it's been something that I've really valued and will continue to invest in in 2021 and beyond. I think that it's just so great to have people that you can trust and rely on and that have your back and are part of your community. Number seven, investing in courses makes you a better course provider and satiates my love of learning. So I have invested in a lot of different courses this year. And not only, like I said, I love to learn. I love to learn new practices. One thing I'm particularly passionate about learning at the moment is copywriting. I, I actually really have realized in, which is not a lesson, but it's a mini lesson. I realized in 2020 that I love to write. I've always loved to write, but I love to write emails. I love to write, write social media captions. I express myself a lot through the written word and I feel like I'm getting better at it. So I've invested in a lot of copywriting resources and a lot of copywriting courses. And I'm doing more of that in the first half of 2021 as well. I'm joined a fantastic group called Brain Camp, which is by Kirsty Fountain. I joined Tarzan K's email stars. I bought a lot of Laura Belgray's products. So copywriting's been something that I've and I also and copy hackers as well. I've invested in copy hackers. So there's a lot of copywriting stuff that I, I love to do. And it also makes me a better course provider because I can see what other courses do and what makes their course great and take some of those elements and spin them into my course with my own unique take on them. So I have, you know, my my course content and that is unique to me, but I might take an element of this that I really liked and put that into my course. And or if I found this wasn't that great, I can think, oh, how can I make sure my course doesn't feel like that? So investing in courses, it, it makes me better and it allows me to I want to have the best Google Ads course there is, and that allows me to keep making true to that promise and um, and keep changing and growing and, and optimizing my course. So that has been huge for me, and I love investing in other people's products as well because I think that if you have a really great course, people should invest in it, and that's really all I have to say on that. <laughs> Number eight, launching a podcast has been fun. So I launched my podcast, I think it was in March or April of this year, and I've loved doing it. So it's it's definitely a passion project. It doesn't necessarily bring in any it doesn't necessarily bring in any revenue to my business, but it allows me to produce content and tell and teach and and learn from other amazing people and have great guests on and get to know those guests. So it's a great way for me to not only teach and learn and all that sort of stuff, but it's a great way to get to know other people too. I love doing the podcast and it's been so fantastic as a creative outlet that, yeah, launching a podcast has been fun. It hasn't been – I haven't tried to make it too fancy. I'm pretty off the cuff when it comes to the outlines. I don't really do a lot of pre-prep because I just want it to be a conversation and something natural and I myself don't like overly produced, really heavily edited and static, like, I don't know, cardboard cutout kind of podcast. So I just like mine to be – Easy breezy, <laughs> cover girl style. So launching a podcast has been really fun and having great guests has been really fun as well. Number nine, so we're getting to the end of this list. So work with people that you enjoy working with. So this applies to like more about the people you bring onto your team from a, a contractor perspective. So freelancers or virtual assistants or 
you know, podcast editors, shout out to my amazing podcast editor, Sarah, who will be listening to this now. Work with people that you enjoy working with or photographers. I, I work with Sophie Timothy from Sister Scout, who's fantastic. I work with a great business coach. I, you know, invest in people that you are proud to align yourself with and that you enjoy, genuinely you enjoy their company because it's going to make the work process much easier. I invested with um, Leanne Wolf, who helped me with my website transition and she was a joy to work with. So I think that it's really important that when you bring on someone onto your virtual team, that you just enjoy working with them because there's nothing worse than like working with people that you just don't like. <laughs> like I know that there's something to be said for just hiring the person that's good at what they do, but it also makes things a whole lot sweeter when you actually enjoy working with them and you know that they are going to have the best interests of your business as well. So I don't think anyone can do, like I only have on the books, on my books, I only have me and my uh, full-time employee, Caitlin, but I have a bunch of contractors that I work with, whether it's a podcast editor, whether it's a, an accountant, whether it's a, a VA or a, a an OBM or all these sort of all these sort of people, a photographer that you can or a website. Um, what am I trying to say? Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to say a web dev. You know, make sure you work with people that you genuinely enjoy working with and that have good word of mouth reputation. Actually, a mini one, nine A. I'll say, websites freaking suck. I hate all things to do with like web dev stuff, plugins. That's not my jam. So that would be lesson number nine A. Is that I hate website stuff. <laughs> okay. Lesson number 10 is launching a course gets easier the more times you do it. So I think I'm up to, I've done launch number six now of my Google Ads course and I've only had the one course and I've just relaunched and relaunched and relaunched. A couple of weeks ago, I went back and did like a whole launch debrief of my recent launch, which was a huge success. And if you want to go back a couple of episodes in the feed, it will be there about, I think, and I go through all the numbers, all the stats, very transparent with everything there. So it gets easier. You know, the more times you do something, it's a rinse and repeat and you get to optimize and you get to be better at something and you get to tweak it. And it's like riding a bike, right? You get to do it again and again and again. And soon you'll be like a professional mountain bike rider, <laughs> whatever you want to do. But that's, it's just something that you can do over and over again. And it gets easier. The first time I launched a course, it was a pile of poo. And as the course the course itself hasn't really changed in the content, but the execution and the delivery of the, the launch of that has improved so much. And it's gone, the same course has gone from an $8,000 launch to a $110,000 launch. And all that's changed in that time is the way I launch it and the audience that I'm in front of. So that's to say that it gets easier. The more times you do it, you learn more and one thing I know for sure about myself is that I am in my happy place when I'm doing my systems and my processes and my launch templates and my launch everything. Like that's where I'm at my happy place. I find in my happy place, my business, when I'm doing two things, one is when I'm launching my course, I should say three things. Two is when I'm doing my Google ads management and three is when I'm doing like teaching to my students. So they're the three things that light me up and I try and make my week revolve around those sort of things. How can I do things that, how can I align my calendar so I'm doing more of the things I love and then delegating stuff that I don't necessarily love off to someone else that maybe does love that, or it's more of their passion, or it is more of their strength. So I try and work with that philosophy that focus on things I love to do and that are my strengths and delegate the rest. So the other 10 things that I've learned this year, and I hope this has been helpful. It's like I said, it's my last episode for 2020. If you guys want me to do a full recap on like, I, I'm really interested in numbers and financial sort of stuff about 
all the numbers of you know revenue and profit and that from 2020. If you want me to do that in early 2021, slide into my DMs, let me know. Uh, I don't know if anyone's keen on that, but I'm pretty open with all the number side of things. So if that sparks your interest at all, please do slip into my DMs at Griffin underscore on Instagram and let me know. And then one other thing that I wanted to talk about is that I have got a new mastermind sort of back to point number six, which was having a network of like-minded business owners and also launching a course gets easier and easier. So I have created my own little mastermind. It's a 12 week mastermind designed for people that are focused on course creation, course launching, and they want to find a network of people that are in the same boat as them. I run fortnightly, I'll be running fortnightly trainings and Q and A kind of sessions on different areas of how I launch my course. And at this stage, there's only 20 spots available. And at this stage, about half of those are taken up. So if you're interested in that, the link is katiegriffin.com forward slash launch dash legends, or you can go to my bio on Instagram and there will be a link there in the bio to launch legends. So it's a really tight knit group of other course people that want to either create a course or have got a course and are in the process of get making that thing better. And it's just designed to be a safe space to post all your launch related questions that I had. I remember when I first started, I was like, how long do I do my cut open sequence for? And what sort of microphone should I use to record? And all these sort of questions that I had that I just had nowhere to ask. And I want to create that really safe space, that community, that network of like-minded people and to offer a space that I wish I had had when I was first getting started in the course creation game and to make it really affordable. So I tell the story that I um, invested in that mastermind that I went to the US and I paid 18,000 AUD to invest in a six-month mastermind, let alone travel fees, which were another, you know, X amount of money. I think I ended up spending about 30,000 all up, but I've created this 12-week mastermind. I'll only be running it once next year because of the baby in my tummy, but um, it's $500 a month. You can pay by the month or you can pay in full, it's the same price, $500 a month or $1,500. And it is like hopefully a really accessible way for people to get a network of like-minded people and for it to be high caliber. And you can post any of your questions in that group. I will be teaching all different aspects of launching. And I hope that if you're interested, check it out. Like I said, head to my bio or there will be a link in the show notes for this. I think that's all. I hope you have a lovely rest of December and I will see you in 2021. It's been fantastic jumping into your ears this year and I'll do it again for the next half of 2021 before I take a little break. But you can connect with me online at katiegriffin underscore on Instagram. Otherwise, I'm at www.katiegriffin.com and that's kind of where I live online. So come say hey and I would love to know what you thought of this episode and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.